And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and we are here for another episode of 1% Better. Uh, we, I guess we haven't been back in a couple of weeks, but uh, that's because... It's a quiet time of year, except all of a sudden now there are things happening with the Indianapolis Colts. So we're here uh, to kind of get you up to speed. And we've had a couple of opportunities to watch this team now in OTAs. You know, last year, OTAs were kind of a relative term. <laughs> Those offseason yeah. workouts, right? Yeah, they were that? done by now. Yeah, and they, they didn't really do anything, frankly, when they were out there. Uh, this year... They're not going quite as hard as they used to, but they're actually doing a lot more, and, and that's intentional. And so we're learning more, and that's a good thing. And and I would say, Zach, that I think the biggest takeaway for me, and, and it's the thing that we're all watching, the biggest takeaway for me has been uh, the start of Matt Ryan in these OTAs. Um, look, I'm not we're not charting his stats, and we're not going to you know talk about really specific stuff in terms of completion percentage and all that yet. Uh, but I will tell you what, it looks pretty good. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> I know it when I see it. And uh, I, I just think the fit is perfect. And I know people say a lot of things this time of year. I know that. But I think there's something real here. I think that we have seen enough to have uh, a really solid takeaway and and a good feeling about Matt Ryan uh, what do you think? What have been your biggest takeaways of Matt Ryan, what he's done so far, and just everything associated with his uh, debut, if you will? Yeah, we, we, we always have to preface it this time of year. It's June 2nd. I get that. They're in pads. or Excuse me. They're not in pads. They're in shorts. They're in jerseys. These 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 drills, these, these sets, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11, 11, it's set up for the offense, right? The offense should dominate, and the offense has dominated. And, and from what we've seen in two practices, I see what a quarterback should look like. That's what they should do. I mean, there was a stretch yesterday where he hit Paris Campbell for three straight touchdowns and red zone work. And, and the defense had some mistakes and there were some busted coverages, but Matt Ryan carved him up. And that's what you want to see. I'm not, I'm not pushing this any further than June 2nd, but I think we're starting to see just how this is going to work. And the one thing that's jumped out to me is where the completions are happening. Matt Ryan's really good in the middle of the field. Like he's really good in the middle of the field. Why? Because he's really quick. He's really accurate. And he gets the ball out so fast. That is a stark difference from last year. And not everything we say good about Matt Ryan is an indictment on Carson Wentz. I should probably say that as well. Like Carson did some good things, man. He made some plays for sure. But they're very different quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan, I think, is going to be the much more efficient quarterback. The ball comes out faster. It goes where it's supposed to go. And there's probably going to be less splash play, but there's going to be more efficiency. And I think we've seen that early on. 
And let me get your take on this, because we haven't necessarily gone and looked for these comments, but one after another, these guys come in and we talk to them and the people you've talked to in the building and the people I've talked to, Matt Ryan, not is just the leader that they needed. Like he's on these guys. And we'll get to that in a minute about what Mo Cox said yesterday. But this is what Mo Cox said yesterday about Matt Ryan, the thrower. With him, the ball is out. You come out of your break and you better be ready because it's not a slow turn your head and wait type thing. Like you turn your head and the ball is on point. He's like the fifth receiver or tight end that said that. Like they have started to notice that this guy is quick and he's accurate and it's different from last year. What have your thoughts been as we've heard this a little bit, a little bit, a little bit over the last couple of months? So you said something a little while ago. You said that you know not everything that we say in a positive regard about Matt Ryan is an indictment of Carson Wentz, but some things are an indictment of Carson <laughs> <Yes>. Wentz. <laughs> they are. That's just, this is pro football. And look, I don't mean to make this you know another Carson Wentz podcast. We've done enough of those. God knows. But look, man, it is unmistakable. Okay, what you're saying is is a hundred percent right. And and you and I have talked about this. Ad nauseum, right? Like, all right, are they crushing Carson Wentz on purpose? <laughs> you know, like we've we've actually asked that question of ourselves because I don't think they're kinda, trying to. I don't think they're trying to either, but they're doing it whether they're trying or not. And what they're saying is, man, this is refreshing, and it's an indictment of Carson Wentz. But listen, let's throw that out for a second. Even if we want to, let's make this about Matt Ryan. The fact of the matter is, it's exactly yeah. what you said. The ball is where it's supposed to be. The offense can run as designed. You're going to get run after catch. You're going to maximize these wide receivers' ability. We have doubts about them as it is, right? So you got to give them every opportunity to succeed. I think Matt Ryan gives them that opportunity. It's not whether Matt Ryan's, you know, a top five or ten quarterback, because I don't know that he is. Yeah, I'm not ready to go there. Right. No, no one's saying that, right? That's But that's not the point, and it's also not what they need. What they need is someone to deliver the ball and get it where it needs to be. But he can do he can do that and more. There's no question. Like, he's not some game manager. He can make tough throws, uh, but he also, I think, has elite intelligence. So what he doesn't have physically anymore, he definitely has it in terms of intelligence. And I think that is what is going to separate him. That's what has to separate him because he doesn't have, you know, sort of this – Patrick Mahomes style of arm or something. He has he has what he's always had, which is a good enough arm. But he has elite intelligence. He has incredible anticipation. I think you talked about some of the things that that players are saying. There's someone else who has said some really revealing things, and it's Frank Reich. Uh, he said last week that he said he has he said you know I knew he was really good, and none of these not many of these these people in the building had a lot of experience with Matt Ryan. So that's, that's yeah, that's the crazy thing that that's, that's an interesting angle here. So they're learning too. And one of the things Frank Reich said, he said, you know, look, I knew he was a good quarterback, obviously he won MVP, but he said, look, his accuracy is insane. And Frank is not sort of one to, to engage in hyperbole. He really doesn't, you know, I mean, he's, he kind of plays it straight. He's, he's always very positive, certainly, but he doesn't, like he's not over the top, right? He he really isn't. And there have been a couple of times when I think I I sort of saw Frank get caught up in like, damn, this guy's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like because he it, wasn't familiar with him. Like he wasn't yeah. super familiar with him. 
Yeah, it, it's it's kind of been really fascinating to to watch, and I, I'll tell you, I mean, I think if you if you are inclined to be positive about this team's chances in 2022, I've seen nothing and heard nothing to date uh, to to you know sort of use to change your mind. Now we'll see what happens. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying. No. If you feel good about this team, I, I think it's warranted. Based on everything I've seen, and until I hear it differently or see differently, then I think it's it's fair. So yeah, I agree with you. It, it's it's going to be really refreshing to see to see Frank Reich's game plans really kind of come together and crystallize. You know, and I'm not saying he's Bill Wash. I'm not saying that, but the guy is a good game planner, and the guy does draw up some good stuff. And and the quarterback is going to run the offense this year. And it's yes. going to look like what Frank look, looks wants it to look like. And the other thing in this, which is really interesting, and we have been hearing this repetitively. Like, I'm not even going out of my way to ask these questions. And even in conversations behind the scenes, so it's true. like, dude, let me tell you about Matt Ryan. Like, <laughs> so let's let's think about who they've compared him to. And this is not an accident. Right. I mean, this is you're talking about on the field stuff. Let's move to like the other stuff that we heard from Mo yesterday. Like. DeForest Buckner a month ago, he he reminds me of Philip Rivers. Reggie Wayne said, "Man, it kills me. Like it's 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 sickening how much he reminds me of Peyton Manning, like <laughs> as a leader." And then yesterday, Moale Cox. I mean, this was your question, right? He's like, "Great dude, love being around him." But when it's time to work, he is on us. Like yells, "Get set at the line every single snap." And if you guys have seen that play, I think it was Muhammad Sanu down in Atlanta when Ryan is caught. You know, on audio, just screaming at him. And well, like Cox said yesterday, a little bit like Andrew. He was telling Jack Doyle that. Like, Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, the best quarterbacks that have been through here in the last 20 years. And that's the kind of impact he's had. And it's just been startling to me. Like, I'm not even trying to get this information, but people are just coming yeah. to me and to you and bringing it up in press conferences, unprompted, saying like, dude, this guy is like a coach. He's like our coach on the field. And you just, we just, they didn't have that last year. And I don't know if they knew what they were missing last year, but I think that's changed. And I think we're going to see that up close and personal in Westfield in August. Someone in the media room, I think this was you yesterday, said the moment you knew uh, that that (laughs) Ryan was going to fit in (laughs) was the moment you saw the get effing set video, right? The audio that you were just alluding to. And, And if you haven't, if you don't know what we're talking about, I presume it's on YouTube. Uh, there's a there's a clip of of Matt Ryan in a game, and and Mohamed Sanu presumably is lined up in the wrong place or isn't lined up properly. And in the middle of his cadence, he says, "Get f and set," <laughs> and, and it's picked up by the CBS cameras or or Fox, I forget. So um, yeah, and it, it was like it, that is the quintessential Peyton Manning moment, right? I mean, right? God damn it, Donald. Right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google those words. Yeah. I, are you even a Colts fan if you don't know that? that they moment? can't be, right? Right. So he's, he's yelling at Donald Brown, right? Donald misses the, the, the blitz pickup. Peyton's about to get sacked, and he throws the ball in the dirt. And in the middle of the play, he's like, God damn it, Donald. So <laughs> I, that's, that is basically what you're – that's what you have here in Matt Ryan, essentially. Now, he's probably not as insane as Peyton Manning because no one is. Thankfully, 
<laughs> could you imagine? Because he would be insufferable, but uh, in the best possible way. But but right. look, I mean, he has a lot of the same qualities. And I think, listen, you you don't become an all time great without it. You just don't. You you cannot be that. And and I've told this story before. I told it yesterday. Zach's sick of me hearing it. Andrew Luck was like this too. Yes, as, as Mo Ali said. I mean, he was absolutely like this. I don't care what you think about him. People think he's dorky and nerdy, but when he was playing football. He's an asshole. He was like, let's yeah. go. We're focused. I remember years ago, Dwayne Allen, and I'm sure you guys remember tight end Dwayne Allen, uh, fun guy. He told me a story one time about how Andrew would just be dropping all kinds of F-bombs in the huddle, like tr- getting in guys' faces. <laughs> and and I remember I wrote that in a story and people reacted to it like, oh my gosh, like I, I, we've never heard this before from Andrew Luck. Well, he he's... He's a top quarterback. I mean, those guys understand that when it's time to work, it's time to work. And they're demanding. And and I think the good ones are. Now, and and not to take this back to Carson Wentz, but I all I can tell you is certainly no one said this last year. And I'm not suggesting that's the reason they lost to to the Raiders and, and Jaguars at the end of the season. Because I mean, look, there's you could pick one of ten reasons they lost, right? But I do think that that getting that level of engagement from your quarterback, I think it matters, especially when you have some young skill players as they do. And I think that that wasn't something Mo Ali Cox said, but I think it's it's also it's also understood that you know they do have some inexperience at the skill yeah, positions. Absolutely, you know, Michael Pittman is your veteran receiver in his third year. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, Mo Ali Cox, who has always been kind of you know the Robin to. Jack Doyle's Batman. Now he's Batman and has to be at the at tight end this year, for example. So, yeah, the the quarterback's going to step in and fill that void and and be demanding. And and you have to understand what the expectations are. And last thing, I'll shut up here. Is Scott Milanovic, the quarterbacks coach, he told me something recently. He said, you know, obviously coaches can do this, right? They they can get in guys' faces and be demanding and 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 coach them up. And those are all the things they're paid to do. He says, but it's different when it comes from your quarterback. It's just different. And he's 100% right. And and from it's Matt really Ryan, they get that. They don't have to ask Matt Ryan to do that. That's no. just what he does. And, and to put a bow on this entire thing, look, I mean, they didn't move on from Carson Wentz solely because of football. And and, and everybody knows Jim Mercer's stance on it, but his bit, one of his biggest issues was the leadership thing. He just didn't feel like Carson was the leader that they needed. And it feels like they have a guy who stepped in and taken over that role immediately. And Matt Ryan, we'll see. It's June 2nd. They got to prove it. He's got to prove it on the field, but he's solidified himself very quickly as a voice to listen to in that, in that huddle right now. And it's, it didn't hurt when he cars up the defense yesterday. Paris Campbell had a great day. Um, Kylan Granson caught a touchdown. Michael Pittman was busy in the middle of the field. So they had a good day, but Matt Ryan was putting the ball exactly where he wanted to. I, I want to just kind of expand this a little bit more from the on-field perspective. You know, we, we talked about sort of the, the good couple of practices we've seen from Matt Ryan. But I think if you extrapolate this, you know, look at it from a 10,000-foot view. Uh, let's go back to, I think I remember... Day day one with Frank Reich, not even day one, but I guess those initial months with Frank Reich back in 2018 when he got hired. I remember going to the owners' meetings and trying to figure out during you know that 
hour-long session we have with the coaches, trying to figure out, okay, like, what the hell are you doing on offense? What is it going to look like, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I remember him saying, he said, you know, look, the, our passing game is really going to be built around getting the ball out. And and we were still at that point kind of concerned about the, the offensive line. You know, this Quentin Nelson hadn't been drafted yet. <laughs> Braden Smith hadn't been drafted yet. And so, you know, Colts fans having PTSD, a lot of them wanted to know, well, how, you know, how are you going to protect the quarterback? And he said, well, yeah, we've got to deal with the offensive line. But he says that's also a function of getting the ball out quickly. And we saw that, you know, Andrew Luck, I think, had his most efficient season in terms of distributing the football and how he did it and, and did it much more quickly. Philip Rivers continued that, et cetera, right? That, I think, was a problem last year. The offensive line certainly had problems last year uh, between injuries and performance. That was that was true. But I also think that there were issues related to the inability to get the ball out on time. And it's something we probably didn't talk enough about. I think you're dead on with this. I yes. totally agree. And so you know where I'm going. So there's no question Matt Ryan is the master of this. He he is not interested in standing back there and and playing um, and having you know having a dance off with the defensive end. He's just not okay. He's getting the ball out. He knows his limitations physically, and I'm talking athletically, I guess. And he's going to get the ball out. And that's something. I mean, you talk about what they have said. Has that not been something that you've heard repeated over and over and over as well? By everybody, by the yeah. OC, by Frank Reich, by the receivers, by the tight ends, by Matt Ryan himself. It's it's it, and you see it on the field, and the fans that come out to Westfield for training camp, you're going to see it. It's going to look different. Yeah, and when you throw the ball on, when you throw it on time, or you, you're getting rid of it earlier, you're also throwing in rhythm. So, uh, and you also allow the defense less time to kind of react to the situation as well. You know, so I, I think it, it leaves the offense with a bit of an upper hand, you know, when you're distributing the ball quickly, uh, not allowing the defense to kind of read as much and react uh, to those routes, et cetera. It just, it's all, all of it's better. There's, there's all, it's all positive, basically, is it, what I'm getting. Let's put it this way. And this is something we talked about a lot. It's, it's, it's making the game easier, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're going to get more chances for yards after catch, which makes it easier. You're going to get more first downs. You're going to, Find guys that are more open because you're throwing in rhythm and on time. And like we've said a million times, I don't mean to bring this to the last guy, but Carson made it harder than it needed to be. Football is hard enough, man. But like he made the offensive system harder than it needed to be because of his tendency to extend plays and wait and hold on to the ball. And if you see an offense in rhythm, it's just going to be more efficient and it's going to be easier on you and you're going to be more effective. So I'm excited to see what Frank Wright can do when when the offense is being run how he exactly wants it to be run. Yeah, and this last thing, I mean, you you mentioned it earlier. The middle of the field, I think, now comes back into play, and and that opens up all kinds of possibilities for Frank Reich because I think that is where he does the best job in terms of his his play designs. If you go back to uh, the first couple of years, uh, well, I guess. The Andrew Luck season and the Philip Rivers season in particular. Uh, if you go back to those two seasons, you saw a lot of success in the middle of the field. You know, guys like Eric Ebron, for example, right? Where did they eat the most? In the middle of the field, no question. Crossers about it. are coming back. Yep, right. Uh, Michael Pittman as a rookie, where we really saw yeah, him. That's a really good point. Be effective was crossers and the mesh plays I've written about in the past. You know how they have uh, how how they 
have executed those and and they tend to uh, get receivers really wide open on those plays. So, um, I mean, that's what Philly did so successfully in their Super Bowl season. So anyway, it's, I just think it's going to be just a different look. It doesn't mean that Matt Ryan is, is going to be some, you know, some different type of quarterback. I'm not saying that. I just think that he's going to fit very, very, very well with what they want to do. And it's going to make them more efficient. So, now, they, on the other side of this equation, the guys he's throwing the ball to, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I tell you, one of the things that they have wanted to do throughout OTAs is evaluate the, the wide receivers or the pass catchers in general. And they've changed that group up a lot, right? Alec Pierce was drafted. You drafted two tight ends. But you also have a really young group, both wide receiver and tight end. Let's talk about our impressions of that group right now, because what they do from here, i.e. potentially re-signing T.Y. Hilton, for example, that is is going to be based upon what they have seen so far. And certainly, it'll, I mean, for what, it, for what it's worth, Frank Reich yesterday certainly gave us the impression that, man, he, he's pretty impressed with what he's seen so far. What are your thoughts? Do you have any takeaways on what you've seen from that group? Two things. First of all, Frank's thrilled with the work they've got in. Like it's not it's not just words coming out of his mouth. He's he's really pumped. Like he knew what they lost last year and that and, and bringing in a new quarterback was important to get them on the field. But I mean, they were making plays, and and I know what everybody's going to say every time we bring up his name. I know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. Paris Campbell had a good day yesterday. He did. Um, I know what trails that thought. But sure. um, he caught as many balls as anybody. He, he, he's doing everything he can this spring to to make himself a factor. So we'll see what happens in training camp. But he had a good day. Secondly, holy shit, the tight ends are huge. <laughs> That's not the high level expertise you really want. But wait till you guys see these guys. Like they are enormous. Yeah, you had human to be beings. there. <laughs> yeah. Like Moelle Cox is a huge dude. And he like looks a little small compared to Woods and Ogletree, the new rookie tight ends. I don't know if they can play. I think Woods is ahead of Ogletree in that department, and I think he'll get some looks this year. But like you said yesterday, like they're gonna win the award for like best looking team coming out of the bus. Like they're gonna be I mean, they're monstrous. Like there's a yeah. couple guys on this team that just physically are staggering. Like every time I see them, and the list is Buckner. And it's Dio and it's Quentin Nelson and it's these two tight ends. I mean, they're enormous human beings. And I think that's going to change things because that's going to make life a lot easier for Matt Ryan. Bigger targets make it easier. Chris Ballard really believes that. If these guys can play, they're going to be huge targets in the middle of the field. They're going to be huge if they can catch. Um, that's jumped out to me. But but going back to the receivers, tell me what you think on this. But I don't think it's going to take long for Alec Pierce to work his way into that. Yeah. First team offense. I just, I see it. You know, Frank Reich said yesterday, like, we're working him really hard. Like, that means they expect him to be ready to go with the ones in August. And I just feel like, you know, he didn't make any splash plays yesterday. It's some nice catches, but I just feel like Pierce is for real. That's just my takeaway. So, this is an overused term, but I'm going to use it anyway at my peril. Uh, you know, it doesn't look too big for him. Yeah. And, and I think there's something to be said for that. You know, it's a position where, you know, there can be some intimidation. 
you know, you're out there on the perimeter, you know, all eyes are on you. You know, this is something I talked about coming out of rookie camp, you know, just I get who he's going against in rookie camp, right? Yeah, he dominated. And those guys are not good on the other side, right? You're going up against guys who are rookie free agents or in some cases, tryout players. You should dominate them, but he did dominate them. And he looked the part. He looked like the best player on the field in rookie camp. So now he's out here with the big boys. And honestly, he doesn't look, he doesn't look any different than they do. Uh, he's he's doing the job, and it's it's touch football. I understand that, and and we'll see what happens when the real bullets start flying. Uh, probably a bad analogy, my bad. But yeah, you know, look, I, I think that he, I think he's going to be very comfortable. He looks very very comfortable, um, in in his role right now, and he makes it kind of look effortless too. He's you know, so you, you said he he's didn't fast. have any. He yeah. moves well. You know, you, you mentioned that, you know, he didn't have any splash plays yesterday, and he didn't necessarily. But I also think sometimes he makes difficult plays look kind of routine, you know, because of his size and his body control and his ability to go get the ball. I, I, I like the pick. I, I like it. I only like it more since they've made it. I've, I've seen nothing to to make me question the pick. Now, it's it's extremely early, but I like the pick even more now than I did when they made it. That's what I'd say. So so we'll see. I, I, I just I think that group at wide receiver, you never really know, right? You never really know, especially with young players, until you get under the lights. So yeah, there's gonna be some trepidation. I get it, until you get out there and and it's September. But I could see a scenario where they say, you know what, we're gonna roll with this group. And maybe they get it oh, wrong. Oh, I, I could. But I they could. could. I, I- I don't necessarily think that's the way to go, but I absolutely believe they are are thinking that is yeah. a possibility. Um, and you wrote a couple of weeks ago about Ty. They're, you know, Ty doesn't need to be here right now. He doesn't need to be here next week. They're not worried about that. He's got some other suitors. It sounds like, yeah. and Ty is kind of just waiting. And I think when maybe some players go down in training camp, I mean across the league, the need for receiver will be a little bit higher. But um, I don't think. Yeah, I I think it's. I think the team could go either way, and I'm almost starting to think that they're leaning towards not bringing him back simply because they like what they have. That might be a mistake come October, come November, come December. That's the side I lean towards. I I think one of these guys is going to get hurt, and you're not going to have the depth you need because I've seen that too many times before. But Pierce, man, Pierce looks like he's for real. It's early, but I think he's going to step in at camp and make some plays and and work his way into the first team. We haven't seen a lot from Strawn. He was kind of working off to the side yesterday. Yeah, I think he might be a little dinged up, yeah. Yeah, but the the one thing that changes everything is is the quarterback. I mean, he just he, he moves the ball around like you want to see it. It just looks different and that's going to help the receivers as well. Yeah, the the one thing I'd say a, a couple of drops though. Um I think Desmond Patman certainly had a, a really oh, yeah, kind a of terrible egregious one. drop. And uh, that was by the way beautiful throw. From Matt There's Ryan, in the red basket, yeah, yeah could have been a 40, touchdown, forty yards, yeah, yeah, and that was dropped. I think uh, we also saw a drop, a difficult catch, would have been a difficult catch, but uh, Kylan Granson, he's got to be more consistent catching the ball. And honestly, if if them drafting two tight ends didn't get his attention, then I don't know what will. But that was a knock on him coming out of college last year was his his hands were they consistent enough? He still, I think, in my mind, has to prove that. And so this is a huge year for him. I'm not suggesting he gets cut or anything. I think he's still really talented, and I think they'll still find ways to use him. But 
they can, you know, depending on how fast these rookies develop, you know, he he may not be needed as much. So it's up to him to make himself necessary. And and so he's got to continue to do that. And and he he'll be a guy that I'm watching come training camp because I think there's a little pressure on him. And I think Absolutely. it's good pressure. What did, he, what did he prove last year? He didn't, he didn't, didn't do anything. And no. you, they go draft these monster hulking tight ends. I think absolutely there's going to be some – he's got to do something different. He's got to do something that they can't find with any other guy. Right. And I think he can. I think his skill set sets up for that. He moves better than any of the other tight ends, but he drops the ball. So they're not going to throw it to him if he, does, if he drops the ball. So, yeah, right. I think that's a guy that's got some pressure going into camp. Yeah, and I mean, you know, when we talk about a new quarterback, these are first impressions. And that quarterback has to build chemistry with you. The way you build chemistry is is by coming through for the quarterback, right? Quarterbacks so, throw the ball to, to receivers they trust. That's right. I mean, it's just a fact of life. It's human nature. So, anyway, that's just a little subplot. I don't think that changes necessarily my assessment of the entire group, uh, you know, between Patman and, and Granson. But, but it's just – I think it's notable. And it's going to be a competitive group too. Regardless of what else they do personnel-wise, uh, they, they still have – large numbers at both groups so you still got to compete you still got to go out there and earn it and it's not like the guys who are there now are, are guaranteed anything so you got to go earn this thing looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, so let's talk just briefly about the defense. Uh, I don't think we can learn very much about defense in OTAs because they can't be aggressive. So uh, you said it best earlier, 
this is designed for the offense, the way it's set up, just because of the lack of contact, right? But I do think on paper, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think on paper, this has the chance to be the very best defense they've had under Chris Ballard and Frank Wright. I, I don't know if they will come through on that, but I think it sets up that way. Uh, what are your what do you like about this defense and what if anything is your concern? My concern right now are the three best players are not on the field. Oh, well, bingo. you know, outside of Buckner. That's that's where my concern starts. I'll be completely honest. Kenny Moore is holding out. He wasn't there yesterday. Next week's really big. The mandatory mini camp is Tuesday through Thursday. It's real practice, it's real football. For the most part, I mean, they're not, I don't know if they're wearing pads, but they might be. Um, but he's not, he wasn't there yesterday. And he was, you know, holding out the week before by by watching practice, not participating. He's been at the meetings. But I think that's big. If if this is going to be an issue, I mean, he's he's a vital cog in the secondary. We all know that. Secondly, it's Darius Leonard's ankle. Like, yeah. we've been here before. Everybody out there listening knows what an ankle injury in June can turn out to be in August. I don't need to remind you. And this is an injury. I don't know that what you're talking with. about. Could, yeah, could you be more yeah, specific, Zach? We don't need to bring it up. <laughs> um, I hate but you. But like, dude, like that, that was a thing the whole year last year for him. Yeah. And it's remarkable that he played through it and he's as tough as anybody and they love him. And maybe they're just being cautious, but I'm not, I'm not that naive. Like, you know, um, if he's out there next week and he's rolling, that's good. I mean, he's running. Like, we've seen him run. It's not like he's hobbling around. But, you know, then Frank said yesterday there's no talk of a second surgery. But until he's back on the field playing football, I'm going to be cautiously pessimistic because I've been here before. And um, the fact that he's not out there is a little concerning to me. It's June. Maybe we shouldn't overreact. Maybe I'm just scarred from previous athletes with calf slash ankle injuries. Now, this is not a calf. This is just an ankle. But that's that's a huge question for me. I'm just not going to – I'm just not going to get over it until until you see Leonard out there. And then, you know, Ngakwe I think is going to be back next week. We expect him to be back in town. He hasn't been with the team during OTAs. He has his own workout routine uh, off-site. Uh, but they don't have any concerns on that front. But, yeah, put it all together. You know, Kenny Moore's back. Leonard's healthy. And Gakway's ready to go to literally just go sack the quarterback, which is what they need. This could be really fun. And the one guy that I think I'm most excited to watch in this scheme when he gets fully going, we talked to him yesterday. This is a great dude. And I think he was having a great sophomore year until he got hurt in practice. And it's Julian Blackman. I think mm-hmm. this scheme is going to set up well for him. And I think, I think he could be one of the young, the re- really, really good young safeties in the league when he starts to roll this year. I really think this scheme could be really good for him. He's not the best player on the defense, but I think he could bust out, and I think he's got Pro Bowl potential. Well, look, I, I said this yesterday, and I, I think this bears repeating. They are going to run a, a system that is going to feature a single safety in, in many cases. He's the, the first way- player I thought of when they hired Gus Bradley. Yeah, exactly. Because that single safety, if you're going to run it, I want it to be Julian Blackman. I mean, Frank Reich kind of gave me the political answer. Well, you know, we want our guys to be able to play both spots, and and you do. I get that, you, so that you can disguise. Kari will. I mean, maybe it's Nick Cross down the line. We don't know. Perhaps, but, but they Kari, do like Nick Kari, Cross. Kari can't run like that. Like, no, he can't. No, no. I, if I have one guy back there to be my last line of defense, I, I want it to be. 
I want it to be Julian Blackman. And you know, he's got to he's got to prove that he's back, right? I mean, he, he's he's out there, he's moving around pretty good. Uh, you know, we got to see if he's lost a step or if he's got a, you know, if he's still got a lot of work to do when he does get cleared. So it's not like I'm rubber stamping it. It's a, you know, it's a pretty serious injury, right? And and sometimes that initial season after the Achilles is is tough. So we'll see. But he's young. He has proven before that he's a fast healer. Uh, had a, a, an ACL two years ago and shook that off pretty easily and, and came back and had a, a great rookie season. So uh, the, there's precedent for this guy coming back really strong from a, a pretty serious injury. Let's we'll see if he can do it again. I think you're right, though. He is a huge part of this. Um, but yeah, I like this defense. I I think the guy we've not talked about at all because we haven't really seen him do much is Stephon Gilmore. Uh, he is definitely taking the veteran approach to this this, this summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is. It's like, he oh, t- he's out there for stretches. Oh, he's not really practicing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, he's not protesting or anything. He's just, he's he's got his own, he's got his own approach, right? And, you know, he'll go take some reps and then he'll go kind of have a seat. But I get it. Look, he's 31 years old. He's played a lot of football. Uh, he has quite the resume. They're not worried about him, but I, I am anxious to see what it looks like when he's out there. You know, I, I don't have a picture of what he looks like in this defense, uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to see what that looks like. And as you said, um, Yannick, who I think I've been pronouncing his name wrong for years, apparently. I think it Yannick, is Yannick, yeah. Yeah, Yannick Ngakwe, he's down in South Florida. He's got his own sort of uh, off-season preparation that he goes through. He is in contact with them. They are fine with it. Um, I, I know Chris Ballard and he have, have had a discussion about this and, and they're good with it. So he is also remember he played for the Raiders and Gus Bradley last year, knows the scheme already. So they're not worried about him. Uh, you know, would you like him to be here? Yeah, probably, but it's not worth fighting over. You know, it is voluntary and uh, he'll be fine. So I, I think those two guys are game changers potentially. And then you add that to the playmakers you already had. I mean, they have a lot of playmakers on this defense. Look, yeah, Darius Leonard is a hell of a playmaker. Can, I mean, Okereke makes plays. I mean, yeah. Buckner with, with a pass rusher. Buckner with a pass rusher. Grover with a pass rusher. Yeah. And um, I, I we've we've overlooked him a little bit, but Quiddy Pay and Dio this year, that, that jump from year one to year two, especially for Dio, really having a redshirt year. And and you saw what Quiddy Pay did at the end of the season. Everything's there on paper for Gus Bradley to have a really good unit. The problem is we won't have the answer until, I mean, we'll see a little bit in camp, you know, a little bit, but you know, we won't really see until September 11th down in Houston when they're playing that first game. I will say this: if you are, if if you are in this hiring cycle, if you were a defensive coordinator candidate, and you looked at the, the available jobs, I mean, there were others. That would certainly be appealing. I mean, I think Denver has some talent on defense and Baltimore, other Baltimore for sure. But you know, getting past a couple of those, you look at Indy and you're thinking, huh? Wait a minute. You know, I might be able to do something with that team. You know, in, in terms of their defensive personnel. So what I'm saying is, this was a pretty appealing job for a defensive coordinator. That's why they were able to get a guy like Gus Bradley. So you know, say what you want about. Maybe his recent years, maybe not as good uh, as as his sort of peak, you know, with the Legion of Boom. But um, 
this guy this guy has the resume and and he's now also got the pieces as well. So I I think they have a chance to be really good on defense and I think if this defense lives up lives up to its expectations, now we are talking about this team going into a different realm in terms of its possible outcomes this year. I'm not projecting that. I'm saying if that happens, then that that might change our expectations. Cuz I think this defense has a chance to do that. So um, I, I want to before we wrap up. I want to just dig a little bit on Kenny Moore because we we haven't really yeah. gotten into his situation. I don't think in the last couple of weeks on here. Um, so look, I I haven't changed my stance. I don't think anything substantive is going to come out of this. I think he's he's making his point right. He's doing the only thing that he can, which is to stay away and to withhold his services, which are still at this point voluntary. Um, but is there anything that we're not considering? What do you think? I mean, you know, is there any potential, I don't want to say damage, but just, you know, sort of potential fallout here? I mean, what what are you what are you concerned about if anything with this situation? Yeah, this is very strange territory for this team. Now, it wouldn't be in a lot of other markets. I mean, this happens all over the NFL every summer and every August. And the Colts, I mean, we were trying to think yesterday of the last time there was a significant holdout of a veteran. Yeah. And it's been so long, we couldn't think of one. Um, now, he hasn't really held out. That's the thing. I should probably couch those words. Um, I He probably practices next week, but I don't know. I don't know. It depends on how, how far Kenny wants to take this. The, the numbers are important here, too. Like, Kenny has a great relationship with the team. He was their Walter Payton Man of the Year last year or the year before. Like, they love this dude. Chris Ballard loves Kenny Moore. And he represents everything they want to be about. He was a late night waiver claim after final cuts, after doing nothing with the Patriots. He was too small. Ballard had to be talked into him. And he changed the tenor of the secondary. They love what he's about. They went out and paid him early. Like they went out and paid him way before they had to. And Kenny's underpaid right now. That's how the market's changed. He's one of the best slot corners in the game. He made his first Pro Bowl. But if he doesn't show up next week, per the CBA, it's about $95,000 total the team could fine him. Do the Colts want to do that? Do they want to make this acrimonious? I mean, that's a significant amount of money right. for anybody, even for an NFL player. And, you know, does Kenny, is he committed enough to sit out minicamp, to, to risk losing money, to sit out training camp? Like, we'll see if that comes to that. But I lean towards you and your stance. I lean towards... He's making his point. He's unhappy about his contract and they need to talk next year seriously about redoing it and extending him or guaranteeing of it. Or, you know, I, I think that's probably the more likely outcome, but you never know until, uh, you know, we haven't heard from Kenny directly. We've tried right. and I want to hear from him and see how committed he is, but they need that dude. He's irreplaceable on this defense and there's no question about that. Yeah. I, well said. Uh, so, so the background, I guess the context here would be this, and and I've been told this from multiple people in the organization, they really are, are worried about setting a precedent here. And this is not unique to the Colts. A lot of teams feel this way. So I don't want to paint them in some different light. This is pretty standard. They don't want to set the precedent of giving a contract extension with two years left on the contract because they think that maybe sends the wrong message. And you know, to the rest of the locker room. And, and one of the things, one of the reasons for that, 
and I'm just giving you the team's perspective on this. I'm not giving you my opinion. This is just how teams look at this. The reality is they try to forecast things years in advance. And so their forecast for this offseason certainly did not include a contract extension for Kenny Moore. Yeah, so, it included one for Quentin Nelson, which right, is going to be pricey. Right. So so they are going to be very, uh, very reluctant to to make a move that sort of takes them off schedule, if you will. And and I do think that schedule is important because you have to manage your cap. You have to manage your expenses from year to year. And part of that is projecting where you're going to be at a given time. They're, we've talked to Mike Bloom, who manages their salary cap, and he told us what they manage things or they project things like five years out because you have to. I mean, I don't even know if he's working here in five years, right? And he's been here forever. But the point is right. – that you have to that's the way you have to do business right so so anyway that if you if you do this if you do something for Kenny Moore now now all of a sudden you have changed that schedule and and it causes that you can do it and it can adjust don't get me wrong yeah. is that is that fair of the team to have that stance well uh i i don't know if fair is the question i think it's just it's a it's a business approach for them, right? Uh, this is yeah. the business part of it, and it has nothing. It says nothing about how they feel about Kenny Moore. It's really just more about a uh, about their ability to to kind of manage things. And in, in, as I use the analogy on the radio this morning, keep the trains moving. You know, from year to year, and by yeah. having those those projections and understanding where you are and what your spending is going to be from year to year. So, I don't know. Uh, I think. I think the Colts' heels are really dug in here, and I guess we'll find out how dug in Kenny Moore is, right? Um, I don't. That, I don't see we'll, them we'll see. giving him a new deal right now. I don't, I don't see it. I don't because of what you said, because of what you laid out, and because it's not like he's on a rookie deal. It's not like he. I mean, he's underpaid. I, both sides can be right at the same time, but um, it, and the, it's, the other it's, thing, it's, it's a precedent, right? It's yeah. The the other thing that's important here. And and I don't mean to like, you know, be an advocate for the team here because I actually think I agree with you. I mean, just just purely on a on an average salary basis, right? Kenny Moore has outplayed this deal. There's no he question has. about fact, that, right? Fact, absolutely. There's no question, right? But but whether that matters is not the point. <laughs> but that's true. Okay. That being said, they paid him in what 2019, I believe. So, you know, he's three years into this deal. He Now, when he got that deal, Kenny Moore was kind of nobody. Yeah, they, 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 this was a projection deal. I remember yes. Chris Ballard saying, we think he's going to be the best slot corner in the game. And he has graduated into that territory. For sure. Uh, I think he's, he's made himself more than that even. So he, he's, a, he's one of their most impactful players on the defense. The last two years... There have been three guys who have had, I think, the absolute most impact on this defense. And it is Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, and Kenny Moore. No yep. question about it. I mean, he's in that group. There's there's nobody, I think, more than that trio who has had more influence on this defense the last two years. So he's outplayed the deal. I don't think there's any question about that. But, again, the Colts, they may not do him a solid here, but they did do him a solid on the front end. There's no question about it because they did not have to pay him. They paid him at a time when they figured, okay, look, this guy is 
going to be expensive one day. How about we do him a favor, pay him now, give him, you know, sort of a windfall. And then, you know, when he's, when he's a really good player in two years, we've got a good player at a really reasonable contract. And they were a hundred percent right. I, they, I actually doubted right. it at the time. And Kenny wasn't complaining about the deal then. Yeah. So I think, you know, listen, I, I, I can see both sides. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So anyway, we'll see. I mean, look, if that's the worst thing that happens to the team this year, I think uh, they'll be okay. <laughs> they'll yeah, work They'll I, work I, it out. I, Kenny Kenny will – look, he'll show up and, at some point here and, and he'll do I, his job because – I'd be stunned if he wasn't he on the field for the start of training camp. I, just oh, from yeah. Oh, yeah. what I know about Kenny Moore and – We'll yeah. see, though. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, look, he may say his piece at some point, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, make his point. But he should. Uh, I mean, that's that's his prerogative. I welcome it. But um, yeah, it, when the lights go on, Kenny Moore is going to do what Kenny Moore does. That's what I think. All right. So uh, yeah, we don't have a lot of forty-five minute podcasts in June <laughs> because there's, there's not cover. usually much to talk about. But man, okay, we'll take it. Um, all right. Well, that's. Uh, we'll see. We'll we'll be back because we got. We got mini camp next week, so I think we get three days, right, of viewing. Yeah, we'll wrap up mini camp next week after um, Thursday's practice, and we'll get to see a little bit of football as close as we'll get in June to football. But um, yeah, it's been fun to watch this team sort of look a little bit different, especially on offense so far the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that we have learned a lot, and especially after the last two off seasons. That's the other thing I want to impress upon people: uh, the last two off seasons have been rough. Right. We had 2020 was the height of COVID. Nothing got done. And Nothing. then last year, there were some, you know, some labor disagreements about how to go about OTAs. The Colts really did a very minimal amount of work. I think, and it, I think it cost them, too. The, I will tell you, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard sure as hell believe it did. So th- they are getting a substantial uh, or substantially more work in this offseason so we'll see if it pays off but uh, we're learning a lot so that's good all right we appreciate you guys listening um we're gonna have coverage uh, throughout uh, this week and next week of uh, what's going on zach's got an update on uh paris campbell excuse me uh uh doing blackman and, and some of the things going on at otas and then we'll have uh even more next week when we ramp it up for uh for minicamp and then we go away so we got to get some vacation time in. So, all right. Can't anyway, be here before we know it. That's right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Keeper, and uh, we appreciate y'all. Take care.